thanks to ZipRecruiter, which is the presenting sponsor of Recode Media and the smartest way to hire. Running a business is full of tough calls, and one of the biggest is hiring. Finding the right people to keep your business moving and growing isn't easy, but ZipRecruiter has found a way to streamline the process. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to actively find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So if you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka, and I am obviously not Peter Kafka. I'm Kara Swisher, the editor-at-large of Recode and the host of Recode Decode. If you're wondering why I'm here instead of Peter, listen to last week's episode. This week, you will once again be in the hands of Recode senior social media editor, Kurt Wagner. Before we get to this interview with Discord CEO, Jason Citrin, here's your weekly reminder. Tell someone else about the show. I have to say that or else Peter Kafka will be extra grumpy with me when he gets back. And Peter Kafka is always extra grumpy. So it's worse. So that's all I've got for now. I'll be back later in the show to read some ads. Take it away, Kurt. Thank you, Kara. I am here with Jason Citron, who is the CEO of Discord. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we're going to talk about a ton of stuff today. You guys have some news that you're going to talk about. We're going to talk about gaming. We're going to talk about uh, messaging, text, voice, all that stuff. But I have to ask you the most important question in gaming right now, which is, how many hours a day are you playing Fortnite? Ooh, not enough. You know, <laughs> running this whole company thing takes a lot of time. Yeah. Is Fortnite, <laughs> are you a Fortnite guy? I'm, I'm really not, actually. It feels like, um, and I have, I had a 10-year-old try and explain to me how Fortnite worked, and it made me feel older than I've ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. Um, but it seems like the game of the, the moment, right? I mean, I'm not missing that. Yes, that's right. That's right. Are your employees playing it or yes, what? Yes, everybody, everybody's playing it other than me, I think. Yeah, well, you need to stop working so hard at your, uh, at your company, <laughs> apparently. Um, cool, well, I, I think uh, where I want to start today is kind of what Discord is and who you are. Um, I think outside of maybe the tech world, uh, there's certainly a, a large group of gamers who know who you are, but mm-hmm. um, I don't really even know much. We've met before a few times and chatted, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a hardcore gamer by any stretch. And, and so uh, I was hoping you could give us the lowdown of what Discord is. Yeah, sure. Um, so Discord is a voice, text, and video chat app for people who love to play video games. So it's kind of like Skype, but designed with all the things that someone who plays games on their computer might care about. And is it specifically for computers, or like would I be using Discord if I was playing Xbox or PlayStation or any of those as well? Um, you can use it if you're playing on console games, but it's primarily for PC and mobile gaming. Okay, and so what made you say, you know, you said it's kind of like Skype. Obviously, Skype existed. I use FaceTime or, or, or things like that to talk to people all the time. What made you say, hey, we need a specific kind of communication tool just for gamers? Yeah, so there are a couple things about the way that when you play games, especially on your PC, that um, these like apps like Skype, and there are other apps before it that um, you've probably never heard of things like TeamSpeak and Mumble that people also use when they were playing games like World of Warcraft. Um, these apps have uh, some particular issues when you're playing like a full screen game on your computer. So if you think about it, you're at your computer, like a PC, let's say, yep. and you're playing a game like World of Warcraft, or let's go with Fortnite, right? Since okay. everyone, sure, everyone's yeah. doing the, the game dance. of the moment. The yeah. game of the moment. Everyone's doing the dance. You got Fortnite up on your screen. And if you want to hop into a, a voice chat with a friend, let's say I'm playing and a friend turns on their computer and is like, oh, man, I want to play with Jason. Let me go and send him a message. If I was using Skype, you'd have to call me. Right. And when you call me, 
a thing pops up on my screen, which then causes the game to minimize. Uh, disrupts the gameplay experience. Exactly. Or I have to Alt-Tab, which then closes the game, and then I have to go interact with Skype. Um, not good, right? right? If you're playing a game and you're in the middle of running from the storm in Fortnite, like the last thing you want to do is stop and stand still and you just die. Got it. Right. So with Discord, for example, the way that the call system works is it's kind of opposite. It's more like a conference call that's always on. So you create a, a space. We call it a server. It's kind of like a group chat that I can invite people into. So let's say I set up a server for us to hang out in. Yep. I can set that up whenever I want. And now if I'm on my computer playing Fortnite and you turn on Discord, you can see I'm playing Fortnite and there's a voice channel there, kind of like a text channel might be in something like IRC or Slack. You can just tap on it and jump into the voice call with me without me having to have to like click a button or have stuff pop up on my screen. And that's because you had previously either invited me or given me permission yeah. and said, hey, you know, we know each other, so it's cool if Kurt jumps in. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I imagine you are a, a gamer. I yes. know you said you're running a company, so maybe not as much uh, as you would like. But <laughs> what made you, or, or I guess at what point did you kind of come to the realization that this was a problem in gaming? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a great, it's a great question. So before a little history lesson here, I guess for for our company. Yeah. Before we built Discord, we actually were a game studio, and so we were building multiplayer games um, on iPad of all things. This was a few years ago, and we we built a team based multiplayer game that had voice chat built into it. And so while building that game, we we were trying to figure out how to solve some of these voice chat problems for people who are actually playing games, and then also noticed our own behavior playing games back then, like League of Legends and World of Warcraft, still using apps like Skype, and how it was kind of frustrating. Um, and after we launched our game, we kind of were thinking about uh, what to do next. You know, the game's business is tricky, so the game didn't end up really being a hit, although we were very proud of it. And in that time window, I was having a conversation with uh, my co-founder, Stan, talking about how um, the voice chat experience that our players were having in our game wasn't very good. And he made it an observation that was like, yeah, and the voice chat experience that we have when we're playing games on PC is also not that great anymore. Mm -hmm. And so one thing led to another, and we came up with this idea to... Um, kind of reinvent the way that voice chat apps work for gamers on the PC. And it sounds, it might be obvious if you are a gamer, but to to folks who aren't a gamer, kind of really myself, like how necessary is it really to be talking to other people while you're playing, right? I mean, I've, I've played video games alone for a sure. long time. Sure. Is it an essential part of the video game experience that people need to be communicating the whole time? Um, if you're playing competitively, yeah. You know, you can imagine if you're if you're playing like a sport, you know, you're playing a game like um, basketball with your friends or something, like outside, imagine if you couldn't talk to each other, yeah. right? It's like really sure. tricky to, to communicate and coordinate. So the most of the big games these days are team-based multiplayer games where you want to communicate and coordinate to work together with people. And so um, the whole sort of trend around esports and these competitive multiplayer games mean you really need to be talking to your teammates when you're playing. So voice chat is essential in those environments. But in addition, a lot of people, and this is more how I behave, I'm not really a competitive gamer, um, play games as a way to spend time with the people you care about, with your friends, right? And so for me, gaming was always just about um, spending time with my brother or with my wife or my friends. And when we're not in the same place doing it over the computer, we play multiplayer games and you want to use voice chat so that you can um, talk about whatever, yeah. you know, while you're playing, even if you're not coordinating in that particular moment. And so do you consider yourself, uh, like a gaming business? Do you consider yourself a communication company? I realize it's a little bit of both, but, yeah. uh, you know, you, you guys have raised a lot of money. I had it written down somewhere, uh, like 
almost 130 million dollars, mm-hmm. I believe, a valuation of 1.65 billion. Yeah. Like, like there is a business here. Mm-hmm. What do you go when you go pitch people? How are you describing yourself? Like, what bucket do you put yourself in? Right. Um, yeah, it's it's a great question. I think of ourselves as as that intersection. We're a we're a communications company, but focused on gaming, right? Because the needs of gamers are kind of particular. You know, I mentioned that sort of one thing about the getting disrupted. If you're not playing games, you wouldn't necessarily know that, right? There's a bunch of stuff um, that gamers need from their communication tools that no one was really taking seriously. Um, and so I do think we're kind of in that intersection. Yeah. So give me a little bit of uh, your background. You mentioned that you guys had been developing some games before mm-hmm. Discord came about. Um, I think you made some money. You sold a, a company previously. Yeah. Um, faint. Open Faint. Open Faint. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Open Faint you <laughs> sold for a lot of money, like $100 million or something Yeah, like it was it was a pretty wild experience. Yeah. I mean, walk me through that. What's I, I imagine selling a company for $100 million is a wild experience. What's it like? Yeah. Well, it turns out it can be bittersweet, which was kind of unexpected to me. But, you know, that experience was um, basically started when the iPhone came out. Um, you know, we, we started again with a game. Funny enough, this is my life story. Um, we started, we launched a game the day the App Store opened. Um, I think it was like 10 years ago now. So we were one of the first 50 games in the App Store. Wow. Uh, it was called Aurora Faint. It was kind of like a Tetris game with a Lord of the Rings kind of RPG aesthetic around it. Um, and what a combo! Yeah, I know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Lord of the Rings and Tetris in the same sentence. But well, now, now we have. There you go. You can yeah. go look it up on YouTube. Um, and uh, so we built this game, and then one thing led to another, and we decided to take the technology that we built inside the game, which was kind of like leaderboards, um, which is like high score ranking, yep. chat room stuff like that, and pull it out into a software as a service package to offer to other game developers. Um, and this was back before Apple had their Game Center and Google had their stuff. And that just kind of took off. And so we pivoted the company um, from the game to that platform. Um, which so was you were building features, essentially, for other games to build on? Yeah. Or yeah. add to, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. So if you were making a game um, and you wanted to have multiplayer features in your iPhone game early on, you might use a service like, like OpenFaint to add those features to your game without having to do all the back-end management of servers and stuff like yep, that. Yeah, got it. Um, and we also provided a, a social network layer that, that that you could actually show to your players. So as a as a user, you'd have an OpenFaint profile that went across games. Um, and so that, that, that kind of experience, that went from like, we launched to exiting in about two years. We're like five employees to 100. You know, I think we launched with 10 games. And we, when we sold, when I sold the company, we had like thousands of games. Thirty percent of the top, you know, the app store was using was using OpenFaint. It was um, a great learning experience for me because I kind of went from being a game developer, and that, that's that's my background, to learning how to be a CEO and all that kind of stuff that you need to do when you run a company. And then uh, after we sold, the bittersweet part was that um, I really thought I was going to get to go on and and continue building the product within the context of this of a larger company and that ultimately didn't end up happening um i think it rarely does when founders sell it's pretty rare for someone to stick around at the acquiring company for a long time right yeah yeah perhaps they call it an exit for a reason yes i I guess so (laughs) so how has that changed the way that you think about discord because discord's older than i thought it's maybe what six or seven years old by this at this point 
Yeah, well, Discord is three years old. Oh, I'm the, sorry. No, it's fine. But the, the company is six, got six it. years so, old. That's right. So the pivot happened yeah. three years ago. Yeah. Um, how has that changed the way you think about Discord? Um, yeah, I mean, well, if we can build an independent business, I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're still um, pre-revenue, uh, for, or, yeah, pre-revenue for the most part. Um, so, you know... We'll see if we can do it. Yeah. Part of the news that we'll share at some point is is some cool stuff we're developing on that front. Yeah, let's get to that in just a second. We are not pre-revenue at Vox Media. I don't mm. know if you know that. We need to make some money. Ooh. So uh, on that note, I'm going to send it to Kara to uh, read a word from our sponsors. Okay. Thanks, Kurt. Today's show is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Here's the one and only Peter Kafka to tell you more. Today's show is sponsored by Mac Weldon. They make the most comfortable hoodies, sweatpants, underwear, and socks you'll ever wear. I'm wearing the socks right now. That's why it seems so comfortable. Not only are they comfortable, not only do they look great, they smell great. They're made of naturally antimicrobial fiber that actually eliminates odor. They're easy to buy. Go to MacWeldon.com. You get 20% off your order with the promo code RECODE. I buy them myself. That is the best endorsement I can give you. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code RECODE. You will like these things if for some reason you don't like them. Unbelievable. You can hang on to them. Tell Mac Weldon they will send you your money back. You get 20% off with the promo code RECODE at MacWeldon.com. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code RECODE. We are back with Jason Citron from Discord. We were just talking about making money, which you uh, mentioned Discord is maybe at the very beginning of doing. Uh, you have some news that you're yeah. announcing. Um, I want you to talk about it, but I'm going to try my best to summarize it in two seconds here. Uh, you are launching a game store. Mm-hmm. So you have a subscription product. If I am a subscriber to Discord, I can now also buy the games that I play through Discord. Is that the gist of the news? Yes, very close. Okay, good. Correct me. What what did I miss? So we have a subscription product, which we are going to be adding in um, – Kind of like an all-you-can-eat buffet of games that you can play. So um, in addition to having a store where you can purchase games. So those are two separate things. Okay, so uh, if I am a gamer, am I buying just PC games? Can I buy games for my uh, you know, Oculus Rift headset? Like, What can I actually buy from you? Yeah, so uh, we're starting with PC games. Okay. Um, and so the idea is that um, most people who use Discord play games with their friends. And the way that they kind of spend their time is they open up the app, and we recently added a new games tab to this kind of like a homepage that shows what all of your friends are doing across all the different places you have in Discord. So I can easily see, um, you know, if you're playing Fortnite and my other friends are playing League or who's doing what. Um, And from there, now we're making it super convenient for you to be able to buy uh, certain games that we have available for sale. So the idea is to make it extremely convenient for folks who... Um, see their friends playing game to be able to go buy it. So explain to me why that's a big deal. As a uh, non-gamer, I kind of am thinking of this as the App Store Mm -hmm. or the Google Play Store. Mm -hmm. Is that the appropriate analogy? Yeah. So so there's a big opportunity is what it sounds like. How big? Very big. Well, I want some numbers. You want numbers? Yeah. I mean, so my my um, the numbers that I recall is I, I think the games industry was over 100 billion last year in total revenue, and yeah. PC was about a third of that at around 33 billion. So people are buying 33 billion dollars worth of PC video games a year. Yeah, you kind of wonder like what people spend money on in Fortnite, but there you have it. <laughs> there, apparently so. so and yeah. now you want you want part of that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's an opportunity for us to, to add value to people's lives by helping them discover games that they love to play, 
right? Um, you know, the, the, the primary way that I figure out what games to play is based on what my friends are doing, mm-hmm. right? And so now I can see that very clearly in Discord, and I can go buy directly from us. So um, I think as a business, I think this is a great opportunity for us to generate um, you know, revenue and become sustainable. But I, I really do think there's a lot of value to be um, added to our customers' lives in removing friction from sort of figuring out what should I play and how do I buy it. So you've developed games before. I'm curious, as a developer, what do you look for when you're trying to distribute your game, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Why is someone coming to work with Discord versus uh, some other um, kind of game store? Yeah, Um, that's a great question. So as a developer, what folks are looking for is really um, the simplest way to get their game in front of the people that will want to play it, right? And one of the really cool things um, that has kind of happened organically on Discord is that developers have begun setting up servers, which is the sort of the groups that we call, we call them servers, um, setting up servers that essentially anyone who is a fan of their company or their games can come and join. And they, they, they show them off on their web pages and sometimes directly in their game titles. And so developers have started building up communities on Discord where they hang out with their super fans and have conversations with them about what they're working on and, and what features are coming next and what their players would like to see. And now we're going to actually allow them to just give those uh, those um, players an easy way to buy directly from them in that place where they already are. So people are already having, they're already kind of pitching their game yeah. to your users. Yeah. Now you just want to help facilitate yeah, the sale. exactly. So uh, I believe Steam is mm-hmm. the uh, major game um, store right mm-hmm. now for, mm-hmm. for PC games. It sounds like and I, that they are pretty entrenched. Like they have a pretty massive business at the moment. I think it was like over $4 billion in mm-hmm. sales they did last year. Why would a uh, developer, you know, work with you specifically versus them? Are you going to require exclusivity of any kind? Um, you know, what's your pitch, I guess, as to why someone should work with Discord? Yeah. Um. I mean, our, our pitch is simply that the Discord shop is going to be a very curated experience. So um, the other stores that, that you mentioned have, like, everything. You walk in, and there's just tons of stuff everywhere. And it's as a consumer, it's kind of hard to parse through it and figure out what I'm looking for. You know, like, if I don't know exactly what I want to get, it's kind of hard to figure it out. Um, whereas in our case, A, because your friends are there, um, you're going to be getting a lot of input about what you might want to get from your friends. Right. So if you make a great game and people are playing it, people will discover it on Discord. And two, the actual storefront itself is going to be heavily curated by us. And so we're actually going in and making decisions about whether we think, uh, like we're editorializing it, like whether we think these games are worth playing or not. So a lot of the stuff that we're actually starting with are um, really cool indie titles that like many people may have never heard of but really should be playing because um, these are sort of great games that are hard to find uh, in you know, in the wall of stuff mm-hmm. in the other stores. So as a developer, what's exciting about it is that we're essentially giving you the ability to put your game in front of tens of millions of people who may want to play it. And so I think I saw you describe it as uh, like when you walk into a fa- uh, small little bookstore. Yeah. And, you know, it says, uh, oh, Kurt recommends yeah. this book, right? Yeah. Is it going to be just like that? That's 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 the idea. You know, we really want to create that feeling of walking into that neighborhood bookstore where you feel like there are people there who you trust that are curating the selection of things available and calling out why you should be interested in different things as opposed to going to a bigger bookstore, you know, like Borders, 
for example, which doesn't exist anymore. I was just going to say, <laughs> Borders, throwback, right? man. I mean, I Barnes don't know. Barnes and Noble, I guess. Barnes and, okay, they're still around. Yeah. Um, you know, you walk into one of those, it's a very different vibe, you know, than when you walk into a neighborhood bookstore. Yeah, so you want to be the neighborhood yeah. game store. Yeah. Um, you know, I write a lot about social media, and there's always conversation around these platforms and, and how do, uh, you know, the people who create the content get paid uh, versus how much does the platform make? Can you give me a sense of what the business of this is actually going to look like? Yeah, so we're still figuring it out. You know, I'm not going to share exactly what our terms are going to be um, on the record. But, you know, our intention is to, is to have an environment where developers feel like they're, um, you know, getting a lot of value from taking advantage of our platform, that our customers and players are finding a lot of value from what they're seeing and that we're able to participate in it in a way that helps us um, sustain our business. Yeah, so, so it will be some kind of revenue split, though. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a revenue share-based model. And so are you out talking to, I imagine if you're just launching this, you've already been talking to developers for some time, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. What has been the uh, general kind of feedback you've gotten? Has there, has there been hesitation from people? No, mostly hype. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, like what? I mean, the, the thing is that the... Uh, the reality is that for most folks who have been making PC games, the the landscape has not materially changed for how they can build their businesses and bring their games to market in a long time. Um, and I think we have a shot, like a real shot, at changing how that works. And I think the reason why developers have been hyped about it is because I think they see it too. Uh, you know, we have uh, a community of a lot of people who play games, and they come to Discord every day to start you know, to, to do that. Um, I think that puts us in a unique situation to be able to uh, actually recommend content to people and possibly impact developers' businesses in a really positive way. Have you um, looked at any other companies for inspiration at this point? Um, yeah, I mean, all the time. You know, I mean, like, like, like anyone, I'm always you know, keeping my finger on the pulse of what's going on all over the games industry and trying to figure out, like, who's doing what that's cool and what we should, you know, take inspiration from, what we should ignore. But everything always comes back to sort of integrating it into our perspective of, of how we think um, we should deliver value and sort of the quality bar that we have of executing on um, product um, and then doing it with our own take. Like, who's doing well? You know what I mean? If Like, who do you uh, admire that's out? Maybe not necessarily directly selling games, but, like, either doing communication or some kind of tech, I imagine um, there are people that you follow closely. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, lately, the truth is for gaming, at least on PC, there's a lot of studios doing content that I that I adore. But for whatever reason, there actually isn't a lot of folks building technology and tools around games and gaming that I think are doing a fantastic job right now, which, frankly, I think is the reason why Discord exists. Yeah, and yeah. I know you said you're so you're going to start with PC games. Yeah, uh, what's the plan for going beyond that? Do you are you going to sell games for VR? Um, are you going to sell anything else? Uh, you know, unclear at this point. Uh, obviously, the gaming industry is huge, and there's a lot of fragmentation, unfortunately, across platforms that have. Um, you know, sort of different agendas about what they want to do. So it makes it challenging to necessarily say, like, we're just going to go everywhere at once. But I think the opportunity on PC is really, really big. So as a startup, you know, you have to focus. And uh, I like to say we 
say no to good ideas, to say yes to the great ones. And so we're just staying very focused on on the things that we know how to tackle right now. What are some of the biggest PC games out in the in the market right now? Um, yeah, I mean, it's all stuff that if you're in games, you've probably heard of like Fortnite, League of Legends, Overwatch. Um, are you going to sell the, like, are those the types of titles you're going to have? Or because you're doing this neighborhood bookstore thing, are you going to have stuff that people have not heard of? Yeah, we're going to have stuff people haven't heard of. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And is there concern? I mean, how do you? I imagine everyone wants to sell Fortnite right now. Uh, you know, do you ultimately want to expand to do something like that? Um, I mean, sure. If 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 Epic came to us and was like, "Hey, sell Fortnite," I wouldn't say no. Sure. But but I think you know, for the bigger developers, you know, it's a question from their perspective of how can how do, how do we add value to their business? You know, they already have channels that they can get their games to market. Um, most people who make games do not. And so for those guys, you know, I think they view Discord more as a communications tool where they have communities that are spending time. Um, and so they have servers that they've set up. Um, we actually have a verified server program where game developers can um, basically make their servers an official place for their fans to come hang out. I mentioned this a little bit. Yeah. So like Fortnite has one. Um, and Overwatch, you know, they don't have a verified server, but they have their dev team hanging out in one of their community servers. So they, they interact with us in that capacity right now. Um, and if there are ways that we can help them with their business that delivers value to our customers, like we'd love to do that too. The super fan thing is really interesting. Uh, yeah. I kind of wrote about that a couple of years ago, this, this notion that there are people who love certain brands so much mm-hmm. that they basically become pseudo employees, but without being paid. Ooh. Um, <laughs> is that kind of what you're talking about? No. 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 Okay, good. Well, well not <laughs> the first half of it, right? Yes, they love a brand. They love a brand. Um, but we don't, when I say super fan, I don't mean, and then get them to do tremendous amounts of work for free. Got it. That's not what I mean. Um, what I mean is, uh, like, I am a super fan of, I'll pick Hearthstone, for example. Like, it's a game that um, for the first few years after it came out, I played way too much of. It's a card game. It's made by Blizzard. It's kind of like Magic the Gathering, but yep. on the computer. And the idea of being, of being a super fan is just that I love the game so much that it's, like, become part of my identity, and I keep up with it. I want to know all the news. I, it's, like, become part of my life, both in how I spend my time by myself, with my friends, and what I'm interested in. And so the idea with, with superfans essentially is it's someone who is so passionate about a product or a brand that it becomes like part of their identity. Like they're, they're so interested in it that they spend time following it, interacting with it, talking about it, and just loving it, right? And so um, Discord is a great tool for cultivating communities of superfans because it's such a real-time interactive place where if you have, and we see a lot of game developers doing this, we see a lot of companies doing this as well, like especially startups, opening up Discord servers and then posting links on their webpage and social media for their, for the fans of their companies or products who love what they're doing the most to come and jump in. And then you're in a chat room with the people making it and mm-hmm. you can talk to them. It's like an extension of someone's website, maybe. Yeah, kinda, kinda. Um, and so... Um, it's just a really cool phenomenon to, to see. Now, I think there is a line, perhaps, which is what you wrote about, which is then some companies will then take advantage of folks and have them do, like, a lot of work and not pay them any money, yeah. which is not cool. No. Um, you know, we have some community members that started to contribute to us, and we made sure they got compensated appropriately for it. Um, but generally, the notion of superfans, I think it's more of just, like, um, people who are excited about what you're doing. 
Yeah. You know, so we have a whole, this sort of whole super fan philosophy inside of Discord um, that grew very organically out of observing people behaving this way. And, you know, I remember early on when we, when we launched um, Discord, we used to uh, write these change logs. Well, we still write change logs, but we, we started writing these change logs um, when we updated the app. So you load Discord and say, hey, there's a new feature. And we put jokes in the change log. Yeah. And we noticed that people would start screenshotting the jokes and posting them on Twitter and on Reddit. And we were like, whoa, people like really like this stuff and they're sharing it and it's causing word of mouth growth. And so we started kind of leaning into this idea of how we can delight folks to get them excited about us so that they would share with their friends. And it's it's become imbued in everything we do. So like our customer support team, for example, I view them as like a super fan creation engine. You know, like every time someone writes in and is frustrated about something, that's an opportunity to make that person feel special, like your company cares about them and that they matter. And if you can do that, then they become an evangelist and will shout from the mountaintops about how great your company is and how how cool you are. And and like it's such a like a wholesome strategy for for customer support and growth because you're just making people have a good have a good time and solving their problems and then they get excited about you. Yeah. And so that kind of mentality I think is so important, and we do it in every single area of the company. We're going to take another break uh, right now, but we will be back shortly with Jason Citron from Discord. Hey, Recode Media listeners. This is Amanda Clute, Eater's Editor-in-Chief, and I want to tell you about a new show that we just launched on PBS with Chef Marcus Samuelson. Every Tuesday, Marcus explores the food and culture of a different immigrant community, like the Arab-American community and their cuisine in Dearborn, Michigan, the Vietnamese community in New Orleans, the Haitian community in Miami, and the list goes on and on. I really love this show because I'm learning about new cultures and traditions that I didn't know about in the United States, and I hope you do too. So check out the show every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on eater.com slash no passport required or on PBS. We are back with Jason Citron from Discord. We talked about a lot. I want to transition a little bit to some just kind of general gaming questions. Uh, I started this conversation mentioning Fortnite. Mm-hmm. It feels like the game that has transcended from, you know, the diehard gamer community to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy there? Like, how big of a deal is Fortnite? As someone who, who knows the gaming industry really well, how big of a deal is Fortnite? Big deal. Fortnite's a big deal. Um, it's the first time that I've seen people who are totally not in the game space and are not gamers connect to gaming culture in a way that is actually authentic, right? Like, I was I was on a plane the other day, flying back from somewhere, you know, domestic flight, and it was uh, it was a Virgin America flight, and you know they play that music video at the beginning. The flight attendant was doing Fortnite dances as she was buckling the seatbelt. And I'm like, what is going on? And then she's like, I don't know what it is, but my daughter does it. <laughs> so it's like, a po- it's it's transcended culture, basically, yeah. pop yeah. culture. Yeah. Do you think that is, I mean, is that, oh, I imagine that's good for the broader gaming industry? Yeah. or Or does a one-hit wonder like this matter? Oh, I think it's very important. You know, every time there's a new mega hit, it pushes the boundaries of um, who's familiar with games, how acceptable games are to folks that aren't familiar with them, and it it helps to normalize gaming behavior, right? So I think I think it's great. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. The last time I remember a game getting this popular was Pokemon Go a yep. few years ago. Yep. I know they're very different styles of games, but mm-hmm. are there some similarities there? 
Um, At least in what we've seen with the popularity. Yeah. I mean, in, gen- in terms of popularity, like, I suppose so. Like, everyone's talking sure. about it and doing it. Um, I mean, it's nice with Fortnite. People aren't, like, walking off of cliffs and stuff. But <laughs> That's true. Getting robbed at the park or whatever, right? Yeah. But Pokemon Go was great because it got people to go outside and, and spend time together. Um, and I think that perhaps that's the thing that um, underscores the biggest gaming hits of the last few years is that they've really been social experiences. You know, our whole our whole shtick at Discord is about bringing people together around games. Like, that's our mission. And um, the more that games and gaming is normalized and seen as, a, as an acceptable way to spend time with folks, I actually think it's a phenomenal positive trend that pushes against kind of the um, shallow social media trends that we're also experiencing, you know, in sort of this modern internet age right now. It's funny you mention that because the um, terrible traditional, like, gamer stereotype, right, is like person who sits in their basement by themselves yeah. uh, and doesn't, you know, have a social life. But as mm-hmm. to your point, both Fortnite and Pokemon Go are examples of, of relatively social games. Mm-hmm. How has the, uh, again, stereotype, how has that, like, gamer stereotype changed over the last couple of years? Being a gamer, it's actually a little bit tricky to comment specifically on how the stereotype has changed because I've always felt like it was a stereotype that was not accurate. You know, yeah. I've been playing games ever since I was a little kid, and um, that was never me, and I never knew anyone like that. So it was always this sort of thing, this concept that I think people that don't understand games sort of imagined is what people who play games look like. And I think now that um, you know, people like me who grew up playing games are now like supposedly proper grown-ups, like, <laughs> <laughs> which is debatable. But um, you know, the the I think that perspective is just kind of going away because. Like, you know, I never saw people like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's uh, I feel like maybe esports has, has um, helped a little bit too, right? Because yeah. it is kind of, talk a little bit about esports from where you sit. Because you guys don't, you're not involved in any esports right now. Like, are, are any of those leagues using your technology? I'm not sure if any of the leagues are using our technology, but I do know that the teams use Discord. They all have community servers set up where they hang out with their fans and esports in general, I think, is is definitely part of this whole trend around gaming behavior becoming normalized and really celebrated. You know, the fact that you can that games sell out, you know, arenas in L.A. and Seattle and in Seoul for folks to come and scream and wave, you know, f- foamy things and smack them around in the air to watch people play video games. Um, it's like so cool that it's it's becoming normal. Yeah. How uh, did that happen? That's a relatively <laughs> that's a relatively recent phenomenon, right? Yeah. Um, how did it happen? It's a great question. I, if I had to guess, it might be that the people who love video games are now old enough to like put these events on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like I said, like we're we're grownups now. What kind of a role do you think uh, uh, someone like Twitch played in this? Because um, Twitch is where yeah. again, I'll, for those who who don't know, Twitch is video streaming, but people will spend, you know, hours watching their favorite gamer play mm-hmm. video games. Mm-hmm. And again, even that over the last couple of years has gone from like, oh, I can't believe people are watching other people play video games to a pretty acceptable mm-hmm. uh, use of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the thing I, I think that Twitch did is it is it really made it easy and accessible to watch people play games online. And I think that coupled with the explosion of... Um, 
League of Legends, actually, and how they formalize the events around esports kind of outside Korea, I think really contributed to the to sort of kickstarting the flywheel of esports becoming a normalized thing. Um, the truth is, though, like I always watched my friends play video games. It was just usually on a couch. You yeah. Know? And so this is, again, one of those things where it's a behavior that I think people who have played games have always done. But thanks to you know modern technology has now been made accessible in kind of a new and interesting way. You have, I've always kind of thought of you guys as um, similar to Twitch, but different in the hmm. sense that, you know, you're a technology layer that um, works with games, right? You enhance the gaming experience, but mm-hmm. um, up until, obviously, you're now starting to sell games. Yeah. You had never really been doing that part. Um, I guess uh, I'm curious, would you ever want to stream games in the way Twitch does? Would you ever want to part? with <laughs> Twitch. Now's the time to announce that you really want to sell to Twitch or something like <laughs> that. Or to Amazon. <laughs> no. Um, I, so Discord fundamentally we view f- as more of um, a place to hang out with your friends, right? There, folks have these large communities on Discord and we love that they do it, but most of the people who are on Discord are actually spending times in small groups with people they care about playing games. Think of it almost like your living room, on the internet, or like a treehouse that you might have, but on the internet. And so when we design products and features, it's more for that group of like, you know, five to 20 people that, are, that know each other and want to play games together. Um, and so we actually do have a kind of like a screen sharing streaming feature where if you want to play a game, I can watch you play, for example. And, and people do this on Discord. But unlike Twitch, Twitch is more of a public broadcast. It's like a TV channel, right, or a stage where you put up your stream and you're kind of doing a performance and anyone can show up. And that's a very different experience, you know, as, as the person streaming than if you're just having your friend watch. And so we're, we're more of, um, we kind of have a different perspective on, on the way that we're building our tools and sort of how people use them. So you want us to be more intimate, not mass yeah. distribution. Yeah. What do you think, where does Facebook fit into all this? Because they've, they've started to do kind of what Twitch is doing mm-hmm. with game streaming um, makes some sense. You know, yeah. they have, people have profiles. There's already this kind of community element of Facebook. Uh, do you think that they're a legitimate kind of player in this space right now? Um, I think they're trying hard. Um, I, I think Facebook has challenges with its brand, especially in, you know, related to privacy stuff. And gamers are very particular about um, and sensitive to privacy and, and these kinds of issues. And so I, I think that um, you know, as good as their product might be, they're kind of fighting a battle against trends that they've in some ways created, uh, which I think makes it difficult for them to ultimately be very successful in the gaming space. Um, what do you mean by that? Sorry. Like, uh, what trend have they created? Um, Just the, the, well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the notion that sort of the way Facebook operates with uh, how people feel like it, you, your privacy is intruded by using Facebook. Um, and so that whole, their whole business model, frankly, I think makes it difficult for them to kind of get out of that. And whereas like for Discord, we're the complete opposite, right? Like the business model that we're launching aligns with our customers, you know, we're selling you something um, and it's all about delivering value to you that you pay us for. And our whole approach on privacy is the complete opposite. You know, it's invite only, uh, we don't scan your messages. You have tons of privacy controls and all this, all this different stuff. Because you know, one of the things that that gamers really care about, gamers tend to be more tech savvy people, and privacy is is a thing that's top of mind for them. Is there a reason that privacy matters so much in in gaming? 
I think these are just tech-savvy people that are paying attention to what's going on in the world. They just don't want their information out yeah. online. Yeah. I want to ask one more thing about eSports. Have you been to any of those big tournaments before? I, I actually have not. You haven't? Okay, I, have I was kind of hoping you had, because I, I have not been, but I'm curious if you, uh, is it something you'd like to do? Like, what's it, just tell us about your gaming. I know you said you're running a company, so you're not gaming, but like, what is your gaming life like these days? Right. Well, I, I, I do play a lot of games. I'm just not um, so great at competitive games, and so I tend to play games more as a way to like unwind these days. Um, most recently, I'm playing a game called Octopath Traveler on the Switch. It's like an old-style Japanese RPG game, um, and it's, it's beautiful. Like when you say, uh, how, like how much do you game in a week or a day week. or? Uh, at least a, at least thirty minutes to an hour a day. Yeah. If I can fit it in, um, some weeks more than others. Um, I think the last game that I just totally overdid it on was God of War on the PS4. I think I spent like I don't know sixty or seventy hours. I got like ninety eight percent completion rate. It was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, you know, I hop in and play Overwatch, and, yeah. and I try and still get some Hearthstone in, and uh, League of Legends is fun. And I play those as, as social experiences to spend time with, with friends, but I'm not, like, super competitive in them. Got it. Uh, when you see a stadium um, filled with, you know, th- tens of thousands of, of screaming video game fans waving towels and things like that, uh, does that surprise you at this point, or are we going to start seeing a lot more of that? It's, it's not surprising, and I think we'll see more of it. In the U.S., in addition, I mean, I know it's happening here, but yeah. I know you originally it was big in you said Korea, I think, yeah. and in other parts of Asia. Yep. Is it so? This is the kind of thing that's going to be happening all over the U.S. I think so. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I mean, people are celebrating games, and and I think that the the shared experiences and t- and you know relationships that people create around playing games can be so meaningful, and is is just like a fantastic way to spend time. And, and create friendships. And yeah. so I love that um, esports is happening and helping people have another uh, avenue to do that. And I love that at Discord we get to play a small part in that. Well, the next time we do this, we will do it uh, at a massive video game uh, competition. There you How's go. that? Sounds uh, good. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you, Jason, for coming on the podcast. And thank you all for listening. As Peter Kafka always says, please tell someone about this show. You can tell them in person or you can tweet about it or you can post the link in your favorite Discord server. Uh, Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Cadence13 and Vox Media. They sell those ads so that you can listen to Recode Media for free. And thank you to Joel Robbie, who edits the show, and to our producers, Gold Arthur and Eric Johnson. This is Recode Media, and we will see you next week. Hey there, podcast listeners. I'm Grant Gordon. And I'm Ravi Gurumurthy, and we co-host a podcast called Displaced, all about the refugee crisis. Check out this week's episode with Jeff Mulligan, who talked with us about something he calls collective intelligence, or really how machines and humans can collaborate to solve problems like dealing with epidemics, predicting war and conflict, and collecting data during natural disasters. Displaced is a collaboration between the International Rescue Committee, where Grant and I work, and Vox Media. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.